1: Hello Giants fans and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. A little uh, a little something special for you guys today a little throwback edition of the podcast. We have Kunal Shah on the program with us and I know you probably don't know that name but if you've uh, if you've been around Big Blue View for a while that is the, the man formerly known as Big Blue View Contributor Invictus. So uh, we, we greatly appreciate the chance to, to catch up. How you been? How you doing? I've been doing great. Um, and I was telling you earlier,
2: I, I was so excited uh, when you when you approached me to to come back and talk a little bit. Um, I, I miss BB. I love BBV. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, it'll be fun to chop it up again.
1: Well you, you know you were you were part of the part of the building of 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 what I hope is a is a website that that people still enjoy. I've been doing it for I've been doing it for so long now sometimes I can't tell anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think I joined um maybe right around the time
2: of Eli's first Super Bowl um and then I I uh I became a front page writer, I think in 20, 2009 or two thousand ten.
1: And I was somewhere around there. You and Chris, I think came on at yeah. the same time. And I am still punishing Chris to this day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that Chris is Chris is crazy. Twelve, 12 years now.
1: Um yeah, you know. yeah. Twelve, you know, it's he's he he's got his he's got his his niche doing draft stuff and and, and doing, you know, whatever I need him to do whenever you know, whenever I need help. But uh, but I, I don't think uh, I don't think he expected to be doing this for 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> I know I didn't expect to be doing it for 15, but but there we go. But it, it, it went from it went from hobby to uh, to career. And that's proof of concept, right? It it works. It works. Yeah, it was. I mean, for me, it was great because I spent so many years in journalism in newspapers, and then you know I left the newspaper field and was just sort of dabbling in it and and fell into this and and it turned into a career so so and you know Ed,
2: you you were just kind of uh you know ahead of the game right you know newspapers aren't aren't really kind of what they what they used to be and now social media uh blogs um and 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 websites that have that have um you know that 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 have kind of risen to prominence like Vox Media has. Um, you were you were way ahead of the curve when it came to that, and and it, it was kind of forward thinking on your part. Um, and now look, you know,
1: um, yeah, it's it, a monster, and it's it's a monster. But now I'm an old man who has to do podcasts <laughs> and YouTube and 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 you and all evolve, that right? all that stuff. You gotta evolve, and you gotta I evolve. Mean, I mean, I mean, look at this face. Who wants to see this face on YouTube? (laughs) Come on. You know? But anyway, you uh I don't remember when it is exactly that you stepped away from Big Blue View, but you stepped away to pursue a medical career. And you are now working at Rutgers as a as and why don't you just tell folks a little bit about that? Yeah. So um I was, I was pursuing a
2: medical career uh, a long time ago. Um, and, uh, uh, I was, uh, I was in college and in medical school, um, when I was writing for big blue view. So that just tells you how long I've had to, uh, I've had to train for this. Um, and so I, I, I ended up doing medical school, um, in Newark, you know, so grew up mm-hmm. right in the giants backyard. Um, and then, and then, uh, moved to Philadelphia, uh, which was fun. Uh, got to, got to, uh, attend <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Let's, let's say
1: interesting.
2: Can't interesting. Fun. Interesting. Um, uh, and, uh, and, um, I think, I, I think, you know, the worst memory I have of, uh, uh, being in Philadelphia was going to the game against the Eagles at Lincoln financial where, um, Jake Elliott hit that 63 yard field goal. Um, with time expiring to beat us. And, uh, we had, I had to take the, uh, uh, I had to take the, uh, uh, the subway at that time. And, uh, the car broke down, um, the, the train, the train broke down. And, uh, I was with my girlfriend now, now wife, um, and, uh, just the, uh, fly Eagles fly chance, uh, that were hurled in our direction uh. <laughs> made her not want to go to a football game ever again. Um, uh. That, but it was
1: interesting. It was interesting. Um, that is the, that particular game, I very rarely travel. You know yeah. I go to I, I have credentials these days to go to all of the home games. I go to training camps as much as I can. I go to OTAs and mini camps and, and all of that. That particular game is one of the very few road games <laughs> I've ever gone to and i drove in that morning i had to stay in a hotel yeah in philly that night no not and, fun and and no that was not fun i <laughs> i kept to myself what i did for a living you know <laughs> and and just suffered in silence yeah but but that was that that was not fun only only the giants of that particular time yes could have found that way to lose a game they've been finding
2: bigger and better ways um and newer ways to disappoint us as of late but uh that was a bad one that was a bad one
1: and you know one of the reasons that i that i that i had you on wasn't you know necessarily just to catch up you know with you but uh you know I, i did want I almost forgot you're at Rutgers now. I'm not sure you even mentioned that, you know, while you you were talking and, and, uh, and that is, that is very cool. So you are still. I ran away. I ran away from Philadelphia,
2: you know, as soon as I was
1: done. Um, So, so you're, you're, you're back in the, in the New Jersey, in the New Jersey neighborhood. But, you know, one of the other reasons I wanted to have you on wasn't just to reminisce. It was to actually talk some Giants football. Yeah, You are still one of the most active Giants fans on, uh, on Twitter, on, yes. on Giants Twitter, especially around draft time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, which I know is, is something that you, that you hold near and dear and you still, you still sort of contribute for big blue view in the background sometimes on some of our big boards and, and things like that. I'm just curious, you know, from an outside perspective, new regime another new coaching staff for the giants i mean from from your vantage point outside of it a little bit you know Mm -hmm. do do you finally feel like you know i tell people i think it's okay to be optimistic finally yeah yeah do you feel like it's like it's okay to to feel optimistic at this point
2: that's a that's a tough question
1: um I feel like the
2: answer for me personally is yes and no. Um, maybe, maybe some reserved op- optimism, you know, obviously I love the way, you know, Brian Dables kind of gone about his business. Joe Shane, you know, has gone about his business. Um, but, but, at uh, you know, at the same time, you know, I was ready to run through a brick wall when Joe judge had his opening presser and, uh, we all know how that turned out. So, um, the reality is we have a first time head coach, um, a first time GM and, uh, you know, Daniel Jones is going to be in, you know, what is this going to be his third or fourth new fourth new scheme? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, first time offensive coordinator, you know, I think wink is wink, um, is, is really, uh, the only assistant head coach and I guess, uh, for special teams. Um, They're the only two. They're the only two um, old hands at this. And so there's going to be growing pains uh, this year. But I have I have some optimism as far as, you know, the long term viewpoint for the Giants, for sure.
1: I I think that's where I'm at. I think that that, you know, some people want to say this is a throwaway year. I don't believe that it's a throwaway year. I don't believe you take any year in the NFL and make it a, a, and call it a a throwaway year because anything can happen. The ball can take whatever crazy bounces it takes. Weird things can happen. And, and and somehow the giants can find themselves with 10 wins. Not that they're a 10 win football team. Yeah. You know, not that they're a playoff football team, but you know, but crazy things, you know, crazy things happen. I think, I think what I feel good about is that I think that what came to light at the end of last season was just how dysfunctional the giants front office had become and just how deep the tentacles of the Mara family had gotten in the whole decision-making process. And, and as close to it, as I am, I, didn't think that it had gotten to the extreme that it had gotten to. And I right. think that what I feel good about is I think that as hard as it is for him, I think John maris trying to take a step back. I think he's, he's tri- acknowledged it. He's I think, acknowledged yeah, it. I yeah. think he's trying to go, he, you know, he went outside the system. I, I would, I would bet you almost anything that if John Mara had had his cho- had simply made the choice of what he wanted to do, that Brian Flores would be the head coach of the Giants today. But he hired a GM and he allowed the GM to hire the head coach that he wanted to hire. And who knows what the decisions, what, what's going to happen this year. But I just feel better about the long-term direction in the long-term implications of the way that this team's being run right now.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I think, I think in, in past years, you know, all we sort of got from John Mara were, you know, just some useless platitudes about how we need to do better, you know, how things need to change, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, he actually, he seemed a little bit more penitent this time, a little bit more thoughtful in, in, in what he had to say, and and the acknowledgement that of of him sort of needing to step back and, and sort of not interfere as much and you know you sort of heard Joe Shane um, in in all of his pressers you know not be sort of you know when when you put him next to say Dave Gettleman not not quite as bombastic you know a little bit more reserved as well and sort of honest with you know where this team is at and and that was kind of refreshing. Um, and I think that resonates with a lot of the fans, you know, and I think that's why they say it's a throwaway year. I know nobody at, you know, I think, I think the 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 reaction from the fan base is we know that, you know, this team has a lot of warts. We know that this is, they're, they're going to need to grow and, and they're putting their trust in, in Joe Shane and Brian Dable and calling it a throwaway year, knowing that, you know, they have at least some modicum of patience you know uh, if, yeah we're I need it.
1: You, you could look at it that way it but but you can't call it a throwaway year in the sense that this year for me will determine big parts of the future yeah it will determine big parts of the future it will Definitely. determine whether or not they decide to go forward with Daniel Jones. It will determine maybe sooner rather than later, if they decide to make a move at the trade deadline, it will determine perhaps, you know, whether they continue to try to build around Saquon Barkley, you know, it could determine the futures of a lot of veteran guys. So it's never a throwaway year per se, because what happens is going to have impact on the future. Agreed. No, 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 hundred percent. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah,
2: I think Daniel Jones is going to be the biggest storyline, um, you know, throughout training camp and, um, and rightfully so. Um, but just the, the sheer amount of one-year contracts or short-term contracts that Joe Shane has given, you know, really sort of lends to what you're saying, you know, um, and that there's going to be a lot of, a lot of decisions to be, uh, to be made we're going to have a lot of cap space next year. Um, We're going to have a lot of flexibility next year. I think as of right now, we have the sixth most cap space in the league um, going into 2023. So uh, this is going to be, this is going to be an important year, um, not only for growth of the team and growth for specific players, but also a lot of big decisions.
1: Yeah. And some of those guys on one year contracts, you know, a couple of them are going to hit, right? Most of them are going to be X giants by right. the end and by Absolutely. by by next year. Yeah, yeah, A couple of, of them are going to hit, but the idea, especially with the offensive line, the idea that that Joe Shane is putting together, really, he's tried to collect as many competent, yeah. veteran offensive linemen, guys that have played and won't be overwhelmed by having to play. You know, he's he's tried to collect as many guys of that ilk as he can. Mm -hmm. and and bookend them with two young stud offensive tackles and and see if they can get competent play that is if you look at it that is what they did in buffalo yeah they they really they really threw a lot of competent players at the wall and just sort of tried to figure out where it all fell
2: and because they because for the first you know year and a half to two years they didn't know what they had in josh allen and you know we're going into you know um more than that for Daniel Jones. And we still don't know what we kind of have in him. And so you need some competence. Right. Um, Right. And so, and so I think that was the right approach. You know, if, Mm -hmm. if, if this is the, the make or break here for, for Daniel Jones, we need to make sure that we have no more excuses for him.
1: Yeah. And there were, there were stories, there was a story by Ian Morton in Bleacher Report where he suggested a trade for all 32 teams and and he suggested that the Giants try to trade Kenny Galladay, I think, to Baltimore and to Detroit and then to to, or to, to Chicago and, and then basically to anybody that would take him. And, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, I know that Galladay was disappointing and I know he's overpaid and and yeah. and you probably I had no problem with the Giants signing Kenny, Kenny Galladay a year ago, but it's like a lot of the moves that Dave Gettleman made. I had no problem with the move itself and maybe the player, but what the problem was, was how much he paid him. Cause he could have gotten him for, he could have gotten him for less than that, you know, and yet it comes back to, well, if you, if you jettison Kenny Galladay and you don't bring back Sterling Shepherd, which they decided to do. And, you know, they, they moved on from Evan Ingram and, and I still think there's a possibility at some point they might move on from Saquon Barkley if somebody ever knocks them over with an offer at the trade deadline. But you still have to be fair to Daniel Jones. You still Absolutely. have to give him tools Absolutely. to work with. I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%.
2: And the talent with Kenny Galladay didn't just magically vanish. You know, um, no,
1: do you know how many, do you know how many targets he had in the red zone last year? I I don't know the number, but I'm I'm assuming. I'll I'll you know, give you mean, the number. Two. Two. That's that's insane. Two.
2: That, that is insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, two. That's insane. <laughs> um. Yeah. You know, there was there was there was a lot of issues with Jason Garrett's scheme. You know, and it's just it's just it, you 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 can't you can't you know nothing is ever as bad as it seems and nothing's as ever as good as it seems. And Mm -hmm. last year for Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, the entire giants office offense, the play didn't match up with the talent. I know there was a lot of issues with the offense, but with the players we had there, um, that was kind of an embarrassment and you kind of have to throw some of that, you know, into
1: the wash, you know? Yeah. And it was, it it was so weird because I talked to Mark Schofield, I talked to Tony Rassiopi, who's a a quarterback coach, actually is uh, Kenny Pickett's quarterback's coach, as a matter of fact, um, and knows Jason Garrett very well. And we were all in agreement that, that bringing Jason Garrett back last year initially was the right thing to do because you didn't want to change coordinators on Daniel Jones. Again, you didn't want to throw him into a new scheme, you know, the whole issue with, you know, with no preseason in 2020 and all that, it just didn't work. It just didn't work. Um, I think, you know, Garrett was stuck in his 2010 playbook and it just didn't work. And, you know, and, and it was, it was bad. I do want to ask you, you know, you talked about being fired up when Joe Judge gave his introductory press conference. When you think about Joe Judge, I think it's amazing how quickly it unraveled for Joe Judge because before Daniel Jones got hurt at the end of last season, I would have said, there's no way that man gets fired at the end of the season. I don't care what the record is. I, it's just is it is amazing you know for, from the outside for you that that it unraveled as quickly as it did for him
2: I think a lot of it was self-inflicted to be Ex- honest with mm-hmm. you, you know and and it's not what based off of what he said and, and there were some things you know that that I think he did strategically in his first year that I think really helped him and and really made me like him more you know and and I'll give you an example so um with the whole Eagles game um, at the end of his first year where uh, where you know they tanked and uh, washington uh, Washington made the playoffs over us, uh, he was very aggressive uh, about his feelings you know towards that towards that game and um, I think he knew he was going to get some backlash from the general public, but I think it was a really good move to do in order to solidify the loyalty of his team, you know, by saying, I'm going to give my guys the best chance to win. I will never do that as long as I'm head coach, you know, and he did things like that to sort of back up his team um, in public and back up his players in public. And uh, those are some things that I kind of appreciated um, regardless of how other people kind of, you know, viewed that situation and other situations, but a, when, when you're losing and B You know, when when you start to put the blame on other people like he like he started to do and and when you when you kind of take shots at other people and other coaches, um, you know, uh, like he had that he had that uh, shot at, uh, I think, Ron Rivera um, and the Washington football team uh, about their players fighting against each other. And then you and then you line that up to um, going into victory formation at your own goal line. Um, in a game that you're losing you know those two those two pictures don't jive and and no. people yeah, picked f- up on it
1: yeah for me there was there was a six minute answer that he gave somewhere around week 12 to yes a question to a question that i happened to ask him and then two or three weeks later there was an yeah. 11 minute answer that yeah. he gave i remember and And you know, as, as I'm sitting there listening to those answers, he's not speaking to us. He's not speaking to the fans. He's not speaking to the players. He's speaking to John Mara and Steve Tish. Absolutely. And, and for me, the, the victory formation that you talked about was, was really when you said, when I at least said, well, there's, there's no way he can return. Yeah. Because, Because the absolute last thing that a head coach can do is tell his players he doesn't have confidence in them is, is absolute is show his players. He absolutely doesn't have faith in them. I mean, I mean, if, if you want to try to, if you in your head want to give up there and try to get a yard or two and punt the football, you don't go into victory formation Right. You go tight. You go three tight ends, and you hand the ball to the fullback twice.
2: Absolutely, just
1: hand the ball to the fullback twice, and at least you can say we ran plays. Yeah, you know, we yeah. ran we ran as conservative a plays as we could run, but we ran plays. You know, and 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 we tried to get two yards because we knew we were going to have to punt the ball, and you know, but at least you at least you don't embarrass your players. Right.
0: and 24/7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code VIATOR10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Hey, let's let's do this. Let's let's talk about your favorite subject, the NFL draft. And I I think you and I started discussing you know having you come on you know right around draft time and one thing leads to another and and here we are so I'll ask you two things about the draft your favorite pick or your favorite thing about the Giants draft first of all
2: uh my favorite pick was the first pick um it was Kayvon Thibodeau and and I'll tell you the reason why it was my favorite pick um because I didn't think that that Joe Shane was going to do it I didn't think he was going to pull the trigger Uh, you know, obviously the big thing with Thibodeau was, was all the questions about maturity, you know, him, maybe not, you know, taking some plays things, you know, things that weren't really related to football and, and, you know, um, from the outside eye, you know, it takes a lot of cojones to do that, you know, and to bring a player into New York city. Um, the, and, and so, uh, a lot of what you, what you do when you watch Thibodeau and, 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 you know, the, the thought that he takes plays off is, is kind of false. You know, when I watched Thibodeau, I certainly didn't think that was the case. Um, he was, he was my second best player in the draft behind Aiden Hutchinson. Um, and really the only, the only real negative that I could find to his game um, was uh you know, a lack of polish, you know, he needs, he needs to sort of develop his game a little bit more, but I mean, he was dominating people, you know, while being kind of a raw, a, a raw player. Um, and so I was really excited um, because mostly because I thought there's no possible way, you know, we go edge rusher here. We'll probably take, you know, Equanu um, or Neil, and then, maybe take uh, one of the other remaining corners or even a wide receiver. And so, and so just kind of the surprise that, that we would actually go Thibodeau um, and marry that to sort of, you know, I think it was just the perfect blend of, of need and and talent. Um, and so, so that got me really excited. Um, yeah, so I'm I, really excited to see what he can do.
1: I, I have come to this conclusion when it comes to Thibodeau I happened to be at the combine and had a chance Mm -hmm. to listen to Thibodeau and he's incredibly well-spoken right I get the fact that people are concerned about the fact that it's it's obvious that he has outside interests it's obvious that that he is thinking about the rest of his life and not just and not just his NFL career and, and and how to set himself up and what kind of impact he can have on people. But I believe him when he says that, that he understands, you know, that when he talks about how hard he studies and how much he wants to learn. And I believe him when he says he wants to be great. I think for me, I know some people are worried about New York City with Thibodeau and all that. Yeah. I think my view of it is that New York City is the perfect place for Kayvon Thibodeau because Kayvon Thibodeau is a really smart, really intellectual, really bright person who knows what he wants long term. And I think he knows that if he reaches the kind of player he can be in New York City, Oh, yeah. That all of those things will happen for him. That he won't have to, he won't have to force any of it to happen. It will all happen.
2: You hit the nail on the head, right? So he's, he's not, he's not a dumb guy. He knows in order to build his brand, you know, he's, he sought out Michael Strahan to be a mentor for him. Um, And he knows, you know, you have to be successful in this league. Otherwise, your brand means nothing. You know, he saw, he saw, you know, after the after the catch, you know what happened to Odell in terms of his popularity and 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 his brand. He mm-hmm. saw how how we treat Eli Manning and and Michael Strahan here, you know, and right. So 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 I think you're absolutely right. This is the perfect place for him. I think he's going to flourish.
1: And uh, your least favorite thing about the draft? You know, I think.
2: Uh well well to be to be if you want the honest answer I think Joe Shane you know picked a, picked too many players that I didn't know and that I spent you know I spent you know an inordinate amount of time you know scrounging together college tape and and watching like a hundred plus players and and I only knew like five of them when we when we drafted well. them. So, so, well, you know, I got—I got to knock knock Joe for that uh, for I, wasting
1: my time. I—I I have to laugh because Chris, our man Chris Flum, did I think 115? Yeah. Draft profiles. Yeah. <clears throat> After the first round, he had profiled none of the yeah. Giants' draft picks. He profiled no one else that the Giants drafted. He messaged me in the middle of the draft. <laughs> he messaged me, and, and he was he was confused. He was in a panic. He's like, I can't write. I don't know what to say. I didn't study this guy. Yeah. He said, what draft board is Joe Shane looking at? <laughs> and, and one thing I learned about Joe Shane, though, look at the offensive lineman he drafted. He drafted Izudu and McKethan. Yep. He drafted... I believe that, especially in his first year as Giants GM, he was not a hundred percent sure yet of all of the people he was working with. Oh yeah, he drafted players that he had seen. He drafted yeah. players that he that he saw with his own eyes. He scouted Cordell Flott in yeah. person. He. He spent a lot of time in person with Kayvon Thibodeau. He spent a lot of time with Evan Neal. You know, he 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 saw, I think he said he saw in person two North Carolina games. And guess what? He took two North Carolina offensive linemen. Yeah. He he trusted his own gut and his own scouting. And and yeah, it blew up a lot of draft boards, but I I'll I'll give him credit for trusting his own eyes.
2: Yeah. I, I, and I think that's, I I'm, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened, you know, and now Chris Pettit is not here anymore. So, right. Um, so that, that sort of lends even more uh, credence to that. And um, I don't blame him. And I think this is what happens with a lot of first year GMs um, and as it should, you know, and I think for, for a first year of a rebuild, you just want to get guys that can potentially get on the field and, and contribute somewhere. You know, if that means adding depth, that means adding depth, but now we see, you know, Daniel Bellinger, you know, getting a couple of, uh, of first team reps here and there, you know, I think Wandale Robinson, I don't know that I fully buy that that's a hedge against Kadarius Tony, but even if it is, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think he'll fit kind of well, uh, kind of well um, in yeah. the system.
1: Having um, having having watched um, a few of the the OTA and mini camp practices, yeah. Joe Shane told us when they drafted Wandale Robinson, he he understood the questions because most people had him rated a little bit lower. Yeah. He said we have a very clear vision for yeah. how we want to use him, how we want this offense to run, and and what you see all spring is. RPOs, horizontal throws, the, the, a lot of, you know, Pat swing passes to guys coming across formations, quick completions to get the ball to, to, to yards after catch guys in space. And, you know, at some point you got to get the ball down the field too, but you can see, but you can see what they're trying to build is an arsenal of players that including Barkley, including Robinson, including Tony an arsenal of players who it's make the quarterback's life easier, just get the ball into their hands and let them work. Absolutely. And I I think, I think that's, that's the telltale sign for how they want to run the offense.
2: Yeah. And so, and so I think you question, you know, where, you know, Kenny Galladay is going to fit Um, within, within this offense, you know, he's going to be your red zone guy for sure. Um, I, I don't know, you know, if, if, you know, if we go and, 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 and a lot of the parallels that I make are to Kansas city system, especially with Kafka on board, you know, you have, you have these smaller, quicker guys, you know, you have a lot of short passes, you have passes, you know, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, was drafted because of his pass catching ability, you know, Saquon's, you know, catching a lot of passes out of the backfield. They don't really have somebody that matches up with Kenny Galladay um, as as sort of a Kenny Galladay, but, um, but uh, I think that within all of that, you know, if they want that downfield, that downfield, you know, uh, 50, 50 guy, this could work. And I think Wandale is going to make all of their lives a lot easier. So I was really you know, initially I was questioning it, but you know, the more I looked into it, the, the better it sounded to me.
1: I, I think that's where a lot of people landed on that. It was yeah. because, you know, I was, I was convinced I had one or two guys that, that I was, that were my guys, if they were going to take a receiver yeah. at that point and, and, you know, Sky Moore having been one of them and, sure and, And, and they went in a different direction and, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. I I do think people have come to understand a lot more about, uh, about, about Robinson. All right, Dr. Shaw, I have to leave you with this. We cannot, we cannot finish with you without talking about injuries and the giants and their injury history and, and, and all that fun stuff. And, you know, 15 16 17 guys this spring in non-contact jerseys not practicing and and all of that and and I have tried to tell people for years obviously it's football guys are going to get hurt they're going to yeah. break bones they're going to tear ACLs they're going to pop Achilles tendons sometimes stuff is going to happen and and you know you've written some of these stories you've seen the comments everybody wants to blame the head coach, or they want to blame Ronnie Barnes, who's a hall of fame trainer, or they want to blame the strength and conditioning coach. I can't for the life of me say that, that any of that, you know, any of the blame for that can be pointed to any specific thing. I just can't, I don't know why, you know, it continues to happen to the giants, no matter who the head coach is and no matter how they structure the program, but I don't think you can say, oh, it's Ronnie Barnes fault," because Ronnie Barnes job is to get guys healthy once they are hurt, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I don't know how to explain it, but, but I don't think you can say, oh, we had so many guys hurt. You got to fire the whole strength staff. You know, I think, you know, I think people hate,
2: you know, calling it bad luck because it's such an unsatisfying answer, but you know, a lot of these issues, right? And I think, you know, one, one of the, you know, one of the players that has been banged up as of late uh, is Andrew Thomas and we can't afford for him to be injured, but I think his original injury was somebody rolling up on his foot um, or something like that. And how are you going to avoid that? How is Ronnie Barnes going to make sure that doesn't happen? Right. Or how are
1: you going to make sure, how are you going to make sure that, you know that that Saquon Barkley doesn't you know weirdly step on somebody's foot after an incomplete pass
2: yeah there are some there there is you know conditioning certainly can play a part especially in some soft soft tissue injuries and you know one of the reasons why we see a lot of uh, players in red jerseys early on in the spring is is you know a conditioning issue um but, I mean, nobody's going to convince me that Saquon, you know, doesn't have the proper conditioning. You take one look at the guy, and, and you, know yeah. that, you, know, that you know that he's been training hard. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a combination of things, but I'd say, like, the biggest, the biggest factor is, un- unfortunately, luck and the
1: nature of the game. Um, and, well, the other, the other thing that, that you look at, and it's funny because uh, Dave Gettleman actually said this a couple of years ago which is one of the reasons why some of the guys he went after sort of surprised me, you know, as far as free agents and and draft picks and all of that, he said, the reality of it is that hurt guys get hurt guys who have shown you that they have an injury history before you, you know, if you bring them in, we'll continue to have an injury history. They brought in Kenny Galladay with, with an injury history. He got hurt. They brought in Kadarius Toney with an injury history. He didn't stay healthy. They brought in John Ross with a long injury history. John Ross couldn't stay healthy. Yeah. Saquon really is in the same category at this point. He's had leg injuries three years in a row. Yep. Guys who, for whatever reason, you know, for whatever reason, have had injuries in the past are much more likely to have injuries again, and I I, I guess the, the, the thing to do is try to avoid those guys with long injury histories. It's,
2: and, and again, also, um, you know, it's, it's difficult, it's difficult to pinpoint. It's not quite so black and white. You know, some players have an injury history and continue to get injured because they end up overtraining and they don't realize it. Some players have an injury history and then get injured again because they don't train properly or not enough, you know, and you can go both ways with that. Some people, some players, again, dumb luck. And so it's it's, just, it's tough. Right. And then there's, you know, you have players who come out of college who don't have injury histories and then get injured and players that that come out of college, like Aziz Ojolari, the reason he fell was because of an injury history and he's been doing okay so far, you know? And so it's, it's, you know, it's a tough thing to sort of pinpoint and, Again, it's unsatisfying to not have a singular answer, but, oh. uh, you know, it is what it is.
1: There's so much science and so many yeah. theories and so many different ways but that to, to go about it. But, uh, you know, the, the other thing I think that, that fans have to realize is there are so many rules that mm-hmm. NFL teams have to go by in terms of practice time and conditioning, yeah. and the work that they can do with these players that much of the conditioning that these players do much of the training that they do much of the really hard work to put their bodies in, you know, in, in position to play this sport is right. done on their own. Much Absolutely. of that is done on their own out of the control Absolutely. of the teams And so, so for me, it's, there is, there's just no single answer and there's just no single perfect method to make sure that, that soft tissue injuries don't happen. Yeah. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. You're hundred percent right. It's just uh, it's just, you just wish it wouldn't happen every single year to the giants. The other thing about (laughs) that is the reality of it is when you're bad, When you're bad at the end of the year, no, not just that. But when you're not, when you're bad and when the playoffs aren't realistic, a a lot of guys end up on injured reserve, not playing who would tough it out and play and continue to, to, to go out there. If there were playoffs on the line, but guys, but guys go to IR because the games have no meaning. So in some ways, it looks worse than it might really be, just because your team hasn't been good. Hundred percent. All 100%. right. Hey, I have I have enjoyed this immensely. Um, why don't you, if 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 folks don't know, um, why don't you, you let them know where they can uh, where they can bug you on Twitter. <laughs> If, so if handle, they want to talk some Giants football. Yeah,
2: I'm always happy to do so. So my handle is KSIXI.
1: So which, you can find me on Twitter. Which I have never known what that stands for or what that <laughs> means. And do do I want to know? <laughs> no,
2: it's just it's uh the first two letters are my initials. And then
1: uh, just um, after that, random letters ah there you go all right hey well i i have i have enjoyed this immensely we will keep in touch we thank you very very much for for doing this giants fans thank you as always for uh for dropping by and listening to the show please remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts take care and we'll talk soon bye-bye
0: first thing in the morning as soon as you wake up the to-do list starts